Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. We're glad to see you. Two things. First, we welcome to our worship this morning uh, members of Dr. Rose Aslan's class. Welcome. And we welcome our colleagues from Gettysburg College, Augsburg University, and Pacific Lutheran University joining us at the end of a conference. So, welcome. With that, we stay seated for uh, our opening canticle, hymn number 241, verse 1, and then a moment of silence. Holy is God, holy, immortal, ever-loving, ever-present, here and now. Come and see that the Lord is good. Come find, come find refuge in the love of God. We come to worship hungry, hungry for comfort, for love, for a new way of living, for your word. Holy God, in this time of worship, feed us full with your love, grace, and peace. Amen. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter. If, a number, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point it out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. God's grace, God's peace be with you all. I read prayers, lots of them. I listen carefully as other people pray. I compose prayers for all sorts of occasions. I think that is tucked neatly in the small print of my job description. Compose prayers for all sorts of things. I look at prayer as an expression of the God that I know and the God that loves me. I love the prayers of theologian Stanley Hauerwas. His prayers are dense, they're thick, they're always worthy of a third read. His prayers are layer-like where one needs to peel away the phrases in search of meaning, to understand nuance, and really in search for usefulness in my daily life. One of Stanley Hauerwas's prayer books is entitled, Prayers Plainly Spoken. And I can tell you, they are anything but that. 
I've taken the liberty this morning to edit one of his prayers, because if I were to read the whole thing, it's about this long. All praise to you, God, who spirits your church into making us members one of another. It is a great mystery that we are your body, but we praise you for it, for otherwise we would be so alone, to live alone, to die alone. But you have given us one another in all shapes and sizes. We do not fit together all that well, but we pray that the puzzles of our lives may please you and even entertain you so that in the end we may add up to fit in your kingdom. Why am I drawn to this particular prayer? I believe that communities of faith rely on prayer because communities are organic and therefore carry with them the potential for conflict and tension. Communities of faith are messy places. Messy places where conflict is real. Messy places where left to our own devices, conflict will just get worse unless we adopt some roadmap for conflict resolution. Her name, Lorraine Holscher, public educator in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Lorraine, at a certain intersection in my life, taught me something very, very not necessarily novel, but just awesome. We'll call it coffee conflict. For Lorraine, whenever she was in conflict with someone in a church setting, she would invite them out for coffee. Let's be public about our conflict. She was absolutely convinced that people would behave properly, even in conflictual settings, when they were out in public. Of course, Lorraine carried an agenda with her. She had an outcome in mind, and she always declared that at the front of the conversation. Lorraine would say, by the end of this, we will have arrived at resolution. In between then and now, we're going to unpack what's tearing us apart. In its broadest sense, to love God, to love one another, to love also means that we need to be equipped to name and wrestle with every conflict that meets us. Which is why in Matthew 18 we have a sturdy example of how to love one another smack dab in the middle of conflict. Scott's simple version of Matthew 18. First, go nose to nose with the person with whom 
there is conflict. Speak the truth, listen carefully, understand the break, seek resolution. If no resolution can be accomplished, go at it again. But this time, take someone with you to ensure that listening happens, that understanding is met, making certain that both parties in conflict have heard, are understood, and then are on a pathway to seek resolution. And if there is no resolve possible, then take it to the body. The assembled image of God's grace and in their presence, put that concern and conflict on the table for both parties to seek resolution. Communities of faith are messy places where resolve and reconciliation can be difficult to achieve. I believe that 99.99999% of the time. Conflict arises when different people have different ideas about what is right and fair and just. Jesus' threefold process of resolving conflict is a process. A process that will eminently lead to deeper understanding the possibility of agreement or the pronouncement that we'll just live in difference or the potential to address a problem from a different lens, a different angle, a different way. The goal recorded in the Gospel of Matthew read for this day is to always move toward resolution. It is puzzle-like because we don't always fit together so well. Our Wass writes, Oh God, we do not fit together all that well. But we pray that the puzzles of our lives may please you. We hope that our differences lived out in community are a source of joy for our Creator, a Creator who breathed diversity into reality. Amen. Heart, take it with you and spread it all around. Embody it always. Love one another. Go in God's peace. Amen.